Hello friends and welcome to the latest Kings of Anglia podcast. My name is Mark Heath. I'm your host as ever. I'm back and I'm older than I've ever been. Luckily, I have a youthful sidekick with beautiful long eyelashes and muscular calves. Andy Hutch Hogan Warren, my friend, how are you? That is an outrageous introduction. Outrageous how? <laughs> just, um, I've just ne- never been introduced like like that before. That's it's- just, it's, yeah, that's given my self-esteem an immediate boost. First question, what, yeah. is, your, what is your metabolic age? It's, I've only managed to add a couple of years to it, mate, over the, the, um, the birthday bonanza four-day bender. Um, I've only gone up two years. I have added five pounds to the weight, um, which is impressive, I think, over four days. That's more than a pound a day. Um, Good maths. But, but only, yeah, only a couple of only a couple of years on the old metabolic age, which I'm hoping to uh, to drop back down again. Now I'm just eating dust and going for ten mile runs every morning. Um, what is the uh, what is the what was the key uh, the key thing that's allowed you to add five pounds? What, were the, oh, what was consumed? Uh, everything, mate. So Saturday, Friday Friday night was the start of festivities. That was a barbecue. A lot of your you know your um, Chicken skewers, your burgers, your uh, your lamb, your lamb, uh, your lamb skewers. Saturday was uh, fillet steak for dinner, um, and obviously lots of lots of cake. Uh, Sunday was pizza, homemade pizza, and Monday was um, duck breast. Uh, wow! Yeah, so we ate, we ate well. We drank even better. Um, so I, I earned that five pound rise because uh, I barely moved as well. Um, given the weather, well uh, done you. Well done. I know. You. I, feel, I feel like I've achieved. I've achieved, and I also appreciate there were members of the KOA army checking in just to see how the the metabolic age was doing. I've got to be honest. I was slightly disappointed. I hadn't added more. Um, I, I must try harder with the whiskey. Maybe next time. Maybe that will hit the uh, the old metabolism. Um, so yeah, that that was my weekend, Hutchie. And I'm I'm pleased to say that I barely paid any attention at all to what was going on, um, much outside my four walls during that time. Um, so. Normally we'd have a little news roundup to start off with, but I'm, I'm throwing over to you, my friend, um, for the news roundup this time. You can be our uh, our presenter on this particular segment. What's been going on? Worthy of note, news roundup time, Ron Burgundy. <laughs> I have many leather-bound books, <laughs> um, but at the moment it feels like things are quieting down. We at the end of football, end of football seasons, um, we go into a month-long hibernation which is going to be interesting this summer, how long that is. There's a few little things ticking around. Obviously, we're still talking about what's going to happen next season. There's still talk about tickets and refunds, still talk about next season's kit. Um, oh. They're the kind of issues that are ticking around. We'll start with, let's start with some crowds because obviously we the, the Premier League and the Championship are back. They're being played behind closed doors at the moment. Um, but there does seem to be some kind of genuine belief that by... September, there could be some small crowds, uh, reduced capacities allowed into football grounds. Obviously, depending on um, depending on the the spread of the virus and how how everything goes, but it does seem like it's ticking towards that being a a possibility. Mm. So, because you were saying to me, we talked about this briefly yesterday. You were saying, looking at say someone like Barcelona, they're talking about having crowds of, did you say twenty thousand, thirty thousand? Like, Barcelona. This is obviously has to be ratified by La Liga, but they are. It seems like they are trying to get La Liga to ratify them having thirty thousand crowd, which is a bit under a third full in the new camp. Yeah. But it, 
by the start of next month. Wow. For a game with At- Atletico, mm. um, which seems ambitious and unlikely, but it's what they're talking about. Um, mm. French football have been given the go-ahead from from July um, to have crowds of very, well, very small crowds, really, up, up to 5,000 allowed mm. in venues. They finished their season early. I think they, along with the Dutch League, they were the first to draw a line under the season and cancel it. But I think they've got some outstanding cup finals to play, potentially, right. which um, they have permission to have 5,000 people in a stadium for that, which which is, which is nothing, really, when, when you consider that. I imagine that game is probably at the Parc de France in, in Paris, which holds maybe 50 or 60. So that's mm. very that's very small. But the, the, the culture secretary, Oliver Dowden, was speaking last week and he was talking about maybe for September reduced capacities allowed in, in grounds. And, the, and Ipswich have been doing some work to, to work out how they would do that and how they would police that if that mm. were to happen. So, um, yeah, we were talking... That certainly, certainly moved on a little bit and is a bit more positive, but yeah. certainly nothing in stone there. And I guess, obviously, yesterday's news that the um, the social distancing guidance is going to be down to a metre. That makes a huge huge impact, doesn't it, for places like town? Um, yeah. In terms of how many people you could sit near each other and, and you know, kind of empty seats and empty rows you'd have to, you'd have to leave. Um, yeah. Yeah, that that it might not that the distancing may not increase the number of people that would actually be allowed in, but yeah. what it would but what it would do is make it significantly easier for for Ipswich and any other club actually to to deliver that because if you th- if you think if if you're working with the original kind of two meter thing that what's that going to be about four four seats between people yeah maybe five and then obviously you got to think behind as well so that's another row that you can't seat people in in the row behind mm. um for two meters um so it's difficult it's difficult to do and would need some planning and in league one Ipswich would have an easier job of doing that than, than most other clubs because of the size of simply because of the size of the ground yeah but uh, say what's portman road is it what's it twenty nine thousand something like that capacity so, uh, it's, I believe it's thirty thousand three hundred and eleven. Of course, it is, Hutchie. Um, good, good man. He's passed the test. Uh, so, like, say it was third. So, ten thousand people inside Portman Road, maybe. That's not bad, is it? At least there'd be some sort of atmosphere. It'd be better than playing in front of a of an empty stadium. Yeah. The other thing, the other thing to consider, of course, is at the moment when pubs reopen, uh, and good luck enforcing the social distancing when that happens after three or four pints. Um, you're not allowed to shout, are you? Uh, and you, there's also no whispering, and there's definitely, in terms of theatres and live performances of music, you're not allowed to sing. So um, shouting and singing is something that happens quite a lot of football matches. So yeah, that'll be interesting to see how they uh, how they enforce that going yeah, forward. That's, that's still the case. That's difficult. Um, I, I don't know whether the fact football is outside. Are you allowed yeah. to sing outside? I don't know. I'm, I don't know. If, if I go to the park... Um, could I could I go and sing the mailbag jingle in in Christchurch Park? Try it, or, try it, mate. Or what? And see if I get wrestled to the floor. By, yeah, uh... we'll stream on Facebook Live. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I don't know. I, the fact the fact football is played outside gives gives it an advantage in this over over theatres and mm. cinemas and and things like that. Um, but it, it's a long way off, um, certainly for League One because. 
we don't know whether the season will start in September along with the Championship and the Premier League or not. There's a lot that needs to be discussed, but this is certainly a bit of a move forward in, in that regard. Excellent. I enjoyed that, Hutchie. What's next on Hutchie's News Roundup? Hutchie's News <laughs> Roundup. Um, tickets. Yes. Which is kind of... Tickets and the kit are the two kind of Ipswich-specific kind of overhanging issues that need sorting. Um, tickets in terms of match ticket refunds and then also season ticket refunds for the five games that weren't ultimately played at Ipswich uh, at the end of the season. You've got to remember as well, uh, there was also a sixth game that wasn't played, which is the game was due to be against Berry on, um, I think that was meant to be, I can't remember if it was the home or away one. They were due to play them again in March in any case. Yeah. But um, but yeah, so a million pounds worth of potential refunds there for the club. Um, they've taken their time over it. I think there's maybe five or, five or six League One clubs that haven't, haven't announced anything in terms of that as of yet, of, with Ipswich being one of them. Um, but they're getting close to doing it, and that should that should come out in the next in the next couple of weeks. There are some reasons why they've taken their time, um, in part due to waiting to see what the EFL landscape was and a bit more information regarding next season because that could impact what they did. They're changing their ticket provider to SeatGeek. Um, a new way of ticketing, a new system that required everybody's data to be moved over from the old system to the SeatGeek system, which uh, was already in process, contracts were already signed, and that was ongoing, which meant that in terms of actually delivering that refund, um, that would be difficult to do, given that all the data was kind of halfway between between systems and then also staff in the ticket office as well, who the vast majority, as we know of, of Ipswich Town's off field staff have been, have been put on furlough leave yeah. uh, since April, but from July um, you can begin to bring people back part-time, um, which is something the club would do to just kind of facilitate all of these refunds. But they, the, the news is coming and, and there will be, there will be a refund option for mm. for people in there. Um, certainly, those that have have not renewed their season tickets for next season, there'll be a refund option in there, and then a range of other other ways of of using the money as well. So that's the important thing, isn't it? That I thought that that there had to be in there just a straight refund option because clearly, in normal life, if you don't, if you're paying for something you don't get, you ask for your money back. Now I know football's a bit different in that there's there's kind of passion and and kind of loyalty and all that kind of stuff involved. Um, but there is definitely going to be a straight refund option. That's what you're hearing. It does sound like it. Um, yeah. it but yeah, that particularly particularly for those that had cancelled their season ticket for next season, I can see that for those that have um, already committed to, to next season in terms of season tickets, which a large number are you know, understood to have done a significant amount, um, those people would probably be happy with... I don't want to speak for for people. Everyone's got their own thoughts on it, but I guess anyone that's paid up as, as committed to next season would happily take any refund for last season off of the next. Mm. If that makes sense, that just that just kind of adds up that way. Yeah. Um, but if you've cancelled your season ticket for next season, then then I think you had to be offered a refund, surely, and and that yeah. will that will be part of it as well. Okay, tickets tickets done. What's next on Hotchie's news roundup? 
Next on the roundup, Kit. We've talked yeah. about this, what, every week for the last month? Feels like it, um, yeah. Still, well, we're, we're, we're at the end of June. There's a week left of June. They're still hoping to launch the new exclusively revealed blue home kit <laughs> uh, by the end of this month. Might creep over into the start of July, but there's been some issues there in terms of the Adidas supply chain and getting the marketing done and everything. Yeah. Hutchie, um, Hutchie, they reckon it's going to be something special. Have you got to give us an exclusive, old friend? What is it? Is it pinstripes? What is it? Come on. I, I don't know. I wish oh. I did. No, I don't know. I don't know anything. Um, this is the biggest secret at the football club is the pictures of the kit. Um, yeah, they are kept under lock and key. As you know, uh, when when we do get the go ahead to use them, it's not it's not until the last minute and I can, I can understand it. It's kind of the biggest, biggest project that the the club kind of undertake away from football all season. It's a massive revenue stream for them. And particularly at the moment um, when all those other revenue streams have, have kind of dried up and been taken away from the club at the moment. Yeah. I can, I can understand. I, I know people are frustrated that it's been delayed Um and people would will say that it's surely it's just as simple as getting a picture of the kit and publishing it. Mm. But this is, but the, especially the home kit launching the new home kit is one of the biggest events of the club has every season. Yeah, it's a, it's a massive revenue stream, and they have to get the launch and the and the marketing side of it right. It's really important, um, and probably more so now than ever. So I, I do understand why it's been delayed, but I think we're all eager to just have a look. I'd love pinstripes, by the way, if um, if that's what we're talking. Do you know what I've been looking? Um, I'm seriously considering buying one of those throwback shirts that the the, the the nice blue pioneer one with the white pinstripes. Yeah, um, I don't. I can't remember what season that was. That eighty. 81? Oh, I can't remember. Uh, I don't know if it would have had the sponsor on it in 81. Yeah, I don't know what year it is, uh, but I've seen it uh, and it is a thing of beauty. So I'm seriously considering investing a few of my birthday pounds in, into that. Interesting. Um, well, it, it would be pretty fitting if that was to be the way that they went with this kit because that's... next season is the 40th anniversary of the of the, of the uh, UEFA Cup winning season so yeah. if they had something i think pinstripes was kind of after after that but the kind of retro adidas feel of of 81 um, yeah would be a lovely nod to um to what's gone before at the football club but we'll wait and see i've got i've genuinely got no idea what what it's going to be i'm going to find it i'm going to find it while you keep talking mate uh carry on um the away kit that that's maybe a few days or maybe a week or so after for other logistical Adidas related supply reasons. Um, yeah. Again, got no idea what color it's going to be, uh, but we'll we'll see. I'm normally I'm kind of I'm really interested in away kit reveals because there's at least the uh, there's the the color issue. Are you actually going to buy this? By the way, you don't you don't strike me as a retro shirt wearer. Um, well, I'm not normally, uh, and generally, I'm not someone who would who would wear a football shirt unless I was at a football ground. Um, but that, I've, I can't remember when I saw. It. I think it was when I, was, I did a story about the um, the face masks. You know, town was selling yeah. face masks, uh, and it was on the same page as that. And I thought, oh, do you know what? That looks nice to me. So I'm seriously considering. It's only forty quid as well. Um, I still can't find it though. Oh, here we go. I've got it. 
You got it. Yeah, on the yeah, forty quid. Eighty one, eighty two. That's what I thought. Yeah. Yeah. So it will have the. It's got the little in, in, embroidered UEFA Cup winners, uh, under the badge. Just to. Where, just to whereabouts have you? It. Whereabouts have you found that, mate? I want to look at it as we're talking about it. Is that just on the club shop? Uh, just on the club shop. I'll email. I'll email. Have you got your emails open? I can send you. I can send you straight to it. Let's do it. And we, and we do can it. discuss. There you go. All right, we'll wait for that to come in. Um, so I'll, that, send, uh, I'll send you a second email with the rest of the retro offerings that they've got. Excellent. We can see so this. We can, so we can discuss them both. This is slick, isn't it? It's as live. This is this is a this is a, <laughs> a production meeting happening live on air. They, yeah, you, probably, you, you probably heard the email drop into my uh, drop into my inbox there. Let's have a look. Here we go. Oh, see that is nice, isn't it? Is that not not that's that's the thing of beauty. That is, that is nice. Yeah, um, that that shirt is is really good, but it it wouldn't quite be the nod to the actual season where they won the won the UEFA Cup because that was the season after. So I don't know if it would quite fit the uh, the timeline. There's a couple of away options on that on that second link that I've sent you on the retros. No, I'm just looking. Yeah, what, Both, what would you what would you like to see of, of that? I I love black and white kits, classy yeah. black and white kits. Uh, so a variant of uh, there's a from that same season eighty one eighty two yeah um, there's a, a white shirt with black pinstripes but there's also the ninety two ninety three striped AC Milan style red and black yes yes which I love and what I'd also love is the return of the massive badge which is kind of a badge on another badge yeah <laughs> then on the shirt the double badge or a shield kind of look um but yeah. I also would. There's a, also on there. There's a 1985 one with the red sort of band across the middle. Radio, oh uh, yeah, sponsorship. Yeah, yeah. Um, that is great as well. Um, so yeah, there's a uh, retro always gets gets a positive outlook. It seems among fans. So you never know. Mm. There might be. Um, the the only thing I have been told about these these kits actually is that. There are some little, little subtle details that kind of make it. Yeah, if that makes sense, it's that it, they are. There's some small details on there that would make this shirt uh, up to the the level that we've kind of been led to believe that it might be. I don't know. It's completely speaking out loud here. You won't see them on these replica ones because they're not they're not made by Adidas, but made mm. without an old school Adidas logo rather than the. Rather than the three stripes of different lengths on the logo, there's the little kind of flower yeah. crest with Adidas underneath, like was used in the seventies and eighties. That'll be a lovely little. That'll be a lovely little touch. That would be nice, right? I'm I'm going out on a limb. I know nothing about the kits or anything like that, um, but I reckon it, they're going to go. I reckon they're going to go blue pinstripe, mate, with a with a white and black pinstripe away shirt. That's my prediction. So they're going to go full 81-82, both home and away, you reckon? Why not? I mean, winning the UEFA Cup is a pretty big deal, is it not? So uh, why not? I think that would go down really well. I think it would. And if you slap the little old-school Adidas badge on there, yeah, that would be that would be great. I'd go, yeah. I'd go for that. I can't see them going back to the yellow Ipswich Town crest, though. No, for which, is, which is a shame. Yeah, that would require a complete rebrand of the club, which um, I don't <laughs> think they're going to suddenly do um, now, really. That's probably not the time. But, 
Yeah, if it turned out being 81, 82, complete replica, home and away, I think they, they'd prove very popular. But genuinely, I've got absolutely no idea what they're going to okay. be like. So uh, this isn't this isn't a hint. It's not a slant. No, it's no, that's just, that's just me shooting from the hip and, and predicting. So if, if I do get that right, that's no prior knowledge. Yeah. That's um, 100% original Heath content. Absolutely. Yes. So... Re- Remember, we heard it here first, if that is indeed the, the option. I might get both, you know. I might get both these retro ones, the home and away. I like them both. Just get them all. So if you bought, how many have they got on here? Seven, got, eight. Yeah, yeah. Eight, eight options. Um, get I'll, them be all. Co- I'll be covered. And they'll come out with an orange away kit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, Hutchie, I enjoyed that. I digressed there a lot um, on the kits thing, but hopefully people will enjoy that because retro kit, there's something about it. Revs, revs the old engine, doesn't it? You look at a nice retro kit. Um, yeah. Is there any more on on Hutchie's news roundup? Uh, just a very very brief um, stop at. Uh, it looks like Ipswich are going to be using a losing a young a young player, Alex Henderson, who uh, he played ninety minutes in at Peterborough in the EFL Trophy. Mm. Uh, when was that? A lifetime ago, November. <laughs> <laughs> um, the night Barry Cotter. Um, won the shootout on his birthday. But Alex Henderson played in the heart of the defence that day. But he hasn't signed a professional contract. He was offered a an extension to his scholarship, but it looks like he's going to turn that down and take up a scholarship offer at a college in the United States in at Georgia, um, Georgia State University, um, and, and move there, which to me seems like a very, very sensible decision to make. He's a, he's a guy who has taken his education seriously, um, and if you're choosing between a third-year scholarship at, at Ipswich, which comes with no guarantee of a professional deal at the end of it, mm. or, or taking up a scholarship offer at a, a decent university college in the United States, um, I would suggest he's probably made the right the right call there. It's a shame for Ipswich because he's got he's certainly got something about him. He's a He's captain the under 18s, I think, in the in the youth cup last season. He's a he's a bigger lad. He's strong, um, good in the air, but yeah, but he he hadn't been offered a pro deal. It sounds like so, probably the right call for him. All the best. You can't blame the lad, can you? I mean, the, the opportunity to go to university in America, I'd imagine, not on a scholarship, so you, you don't have to pay any money. Lifestyle, new experiences, that'd be brilliant, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and you can, yeah, and it, uh, there'll be a sporting element to it. There'll be a, a soccer element to that, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, and he'll come out at the end of that with a with a degree and something to do, maybe for the future. Whereas at Ipswich, he could very easily have got the end got to the end of a third year scholarship and been left with left with nothing. Um, yeah. or, or he could well have gone on and got a professional contract. Who knows? But say he goes to the United States, impresses over there, does well. He can still come back to England and get and and, and have a football career. Mm. So, so it's uh, keeping doors open and, and good luck. Good luck to the lad. It seems like a really sensible and brilliant move for him. Indeed. Is that it, Hutchie? Is it, is Hutchie's new roundup? Is that finished? Um, I've got one one other little item actually. Um, is, this, is this to end finally? Uh, it's not football related. Okay. Is that, is that all right now? Yeah, of course it is. Yeah, yeah we'll go with that now. Um, and. Uh, I received an, an alarming tweet this morning from a friend of the show. Yeah. Um, Harvey Davis, the sweet Welsh prince. Yeah. Um, some big news today in that 
um, sausage and egg McMuffins are back on the menu at McDonald's, which is the only acceptable item to buy from McDonald's on a regular basis, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, but Harvey disappointed me, really. Um, he said that he, he thinks they're overrated. What? Um, so I'm not going to make, there's no knee jerk reaction here. Yeah. But you do, you know, Harvey will be aware (laughs) that decisions can be reversed regarding friend of the show status. So I'm not, nothing rash, but just, um, just something to consider. What was he saying was better then? Some kind of breakfast wrap. Oh, come um, on. Which yeah. Oh uh, on, oh oh there's bit there's more. There's more. Um he says breakfast wrap every day of the week. There's a reply to that from Thomas Seggins, yeah. who who is not a friend of the show, yeah. um, but is a friend of is a friend of ours. Yeah. Um let's just say he hasn't done his cause for a future call up to the Pantheon. Particularly good either. Because he says McDonald's breakfast on the whole is overrated. Oh, so I don't know. If there's an awful lot more to say from that, but um, come on, head's gone, guys. Come on, you're better than that, guys. Um, let's move on, shall we? Yeah, absolutely. I'll say uh, no more about it. Let, obviously, you've given me the opportunity there for an excellent little segue, Hutchie, because you referred to overrated things, and the meat of this week's podcast is going to be over and underrated players in Ipswich Town's history. This comes from a chat we had a few weeks ago when you mentioned James Scowcroft being underrated. And I thought, yeah, you know what, he is. And there's plenty of other players who who fall into either category. So I thought today it would be fun, in lieu of any kind of serious town news, apart from obviously your little news round up there, um, to to talk about this. So I'll put a call out as well to the the Carey Army, who've who've given their own thoughts. But I just want to start with you, Hutchie, because obviously you have followed Ipswich Town all your life, your very short life thus far. Um, <laughs> very, very, very short. Very short, yeah. Very youthful life thus far. Um, wh- what are your thoughts? When I say to you overrated and underrated town players through history, who who immediately springs into the Hutchie's head? I immediately go back to the class of 2000 with this. You mentioned yeah. James, James Scowcroft there. I think by this point, James had begun to get the credit he deserved. Yeah, but prior to that, um, had had yeah, he, he had a bit of a rocky time with with supporters like 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 a lot of young players who come come through the academy. which so says great expectation there, um, and there was a time when when James's relationship with supporters was a little bit rocky. But I think by by two thousand and the and the group that I'm about to talk about, um, he had I think he 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 was getting the praise he deserved. But there are, there are three members of, well, more than three, actually. There are quite a few members of that class of, of 99-2000 and then latterly the Premier League, mm. fifth place finish the following year, that don't get the credit they deserve. Simply simply because there were so many headliners from that from that period. There's obviously R- Richard Wright, Tony Mowbray, Matt Holland, Jim Magilton, Marcus Stewart, um, Martin Moyser mm. over that period who are kind of the headline guys who... Rightly, absolutely rightly, um, earn an awful lot of praise. But there's a kind of supporting cast there under the, not under the radar, because we all know how good they were, but I think just how good they are and were gets forgotten. Yeah. Um, 
John McGreal is one of those. He a brilliant defender. Yeah. Really, really solid. Good on the ball as well. And I think he had some some times playing at right back or at least as a right sided centre back in a three where he would he would get forward, attack and could put balls into the box. He was underrated. Mark Venus, the same. Brilliant left foot. Um and then there's Jermaine Wright in midfield, underrated in mid Jamie Clapham, another one mm. in there. So there's members of that class that I think uh, don't get the credit they deserve for actually how good they were. We know they were part of a really good team, Mm. but all of those players would come into the current Ipswich side and be standout, Mm. the standout players in it. That's how good they were and how good a team George Burley built because they're kind of the under the radar, unsung guys. Mm. They'd be the star men now. Yeah. So how about someone like Bam Bam as well? I mean, he uh, he was never a leading light, was he? But someone who always put in a shift. Would you say he was underrated? Or um, yes, at the time, yes. Yeah, I kind of think maybe he's become a little bit overrated. Oh, like absolutely, he was a really good player. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, but I don't. I don't know. Can you? He obviously had a massive moment in that Wembley final and they probably wouldn't have won that game without him. He was brilliant. But I don't know, in the fullness of time, I, I don't know, maybe... I don't know. He He's certainly not overrated, but I don't know if he's maybe remembered to be a better player than he was because of that big, incredible day that he had. Yeah. But, he was a great. He was he for his role that he played. He was a great player, and you got to remember he went on to be a, a serviceable centre back for the club yeah. as well. As well, mm. um, not without his faults at the back, but he was quick, physical, and was able to get himself out of any kind of sticky situation he got into. So, mm. no, he he made that tra- transition transition well. There's just a, cu- a couple more from different eras. I'll quickly mention yeah. for, the, for the underrated, um, Chris Makin, who was a. Uh, a solid, a, a fullback, as you would find. Um, rock solid. Loved the confrontation and the battle. Uh, I really liked him. Um, and then another, a midfielder from from kind of latter years, uh, the next kind of wave, Gav, Gavin Williams, who, yeah. um, who I really liked as a player. I don't think he necessarily got the, the credit that he deserved. Okay, so that's, that's underrated players, actually. Obviously, you've missed out Drynan in there, but I'll let you off. Um, how about how about overrated players in town's history? There's been a few of those as well, I'd, I'd, uh, I'd, I'd argue. What, what were you saying on that? And then we'll get to the, the input from the Cowway Army. Um, I was thinking about this. In terms of overrated players, not many actually were highly rated, like it, it, the the kind of really highly rated days of Ipswich Town players are drying up a little bit, aren't they? So yeah, <laughs> but uh, Grant, I, I have to say at this point, I didn't, I wasn't watching Ipswich every week at this point when yeah. he played, but I did see enough. I, I saw, I went to some home games, a few away games when I was living in the Midlands and watched it. It was Ipswich whenever they were on TV, but. I always, I always felt that John Walters was a, a little bit overrated. Oh, yeah. People will have yeah. some kind of feeling about that, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure um, they will. And I, like I say, I didn't see him every single week, um, and I probably saw him more 
in the earlier days of his Ipswich career than at the end of it. Yeah. But for me, I think I'm not saying he was a bad player. He was clearly a good, a very, very good player and went on to have a very good Premier League career after that. But for me, he was maybe a little bit one footed mm. and was just, just maybe held in held held in too too high a regard for me. That might be a controversial one to say. But um yeah. but yeah. That's what we're after, my friend. Controversy. Um, get pe- get the people going. Um, it's provocative, etc. Um, any other names to throw in? Because what I want to what I want to do at the end of this chat is have maybe three or four names we can put out in a poll for both, just to see if we can come to some kind of agreement about the most over and the most underrated player in town history. Um, obviously, given the various shortcomings of the authority of such a poll, but um, we'll see what we can do. Obviously, we've had, we had loads of loads of thoughts as well, Hutchie, but anyone else to throw into the, the overrated section before we get to the uh, the listeners? Giovanni Dos Santos. Yes, I was going to say this. I mean, I love Gio, obviously, as you know, but you, the way people talk about him is like, you know, he was the second coming at town. Um, and clearly he was probably the, the most technically gifted player to have played for town for a long time. But um, it's like the legend has grown, hasn't it? You know, whenever you hear a story from years back of sporting exploits, it's always a bit more, isn't it? Oh, he scored 65 points and then it becomes 85 points and, you know, that kind of thing. Um, Yeah, Gio Dos Santos. So, yeah, I agree with you there. Um, But take us through your thoughts on that. Just for for, basically for what you've said, really, there, just how the the legend has has snowballed. Clearly, he shouldn't have been at Ipswich. Um, Yeah. <clears throat> clearly he was the most talented player at the club and probably in the league at that point mm. however while some obviously some of his performances were brilliant he his overall contribution to the club was like really minimal he was only um, there for what was it eight games he was there eight, for? eight games they weren't all starts yeah he scored four goals and I think two of them were penalties so I think it's maybe a little bit overblown. I'm not disputing that he was too good, too good for Ipswich um, in the slightest, because he clearly was. But yeah, he scored in a game against Norwich, which which helps obviously. Um, the, the last win, yeah, that that is clearly going to help him. But I think he's I think he's maybe up on a pedestal where he maybe there's no need for him to be on there. But clearly, mm. a very, clearly a very good player. Okay, good. Right, let's get to the let's get to the input from the listeners. Um, I'll just read these out, Hutchie, and we can talk about them as we go along. Paul M. Macker um, says, Jermaine Wright, I always felt, got too much criticism. Controversially, Johnny Douglas, uh, underrated more recently. I thought he was the victim of playing a system too defensive for him, along with Skuse. I remember him having a very good game against Norwich where he had a goal wrongly disallowed. Uh, and he says, overrated. I personally never got the huge Connor Wickham hype. He was a good youngster, but never as excited. I was never excited about him as other people were. So, what do you reckon there? Jermaine Wright, which we've talked about. Johnny Douglas is someone who's a bit of a lightning rod for criticism yeah. at town. Was he? Was was potentially he underrated? Um, yeah, I think I'd t- I'd I tend to agree on that one. <clears throat> in the in on the point that it's more down to it was more down to the system being played because when when he arrived, he was he was a number ten really. He yeah. played not not like playing off a striker, but just playing as a more advanced attacking attacking midfielder. 
but he played um he played a lot of his football at Ipswich alongside Cole Skews in the middle and they were deep and they were screening the back four, um, that kind of thing. Mm. So that didn't help him. He had some really good games for Ipswich. Um but no, you can't you can't deny that there were some poor ones in there and that video from Newcastle will always uh always haunt him. Yeah. But yeah, I think I think he got too I I think he maybe got a bit too much heat at times. Yeah. As soon as someone says Johnny Johnny Douglas oh People need oh. something to vent like the, the team the team was rubbish. Yeah. But as soon as you hear that you hear the name Johnny Douglas, you think about the video, don't you? You've been plodding around yeah. in midfield. How about Connor Wickham as overrated? I can't really talk about him because uh, I didn't see an awful lot of him. But what I do remember is that he he was big. He he was a sixteen year old in a twenty three or twenty four year old's body, and mm. that just to have a young striker coming through the academy is always exciting when they're scoring goals, given debuts, and he he was a boy in a man's body playing in a man's world. Yeah. So I, I you know I think I was excited about him as well, um, but in terms I don't think his potential was overrated, but maybe what he was able to offer to Ipswich as a teenager mm. was maybe overrated at the at the time. But I think people were excited about him because of what he could be, rather than what he was at that mm. at that time. It's just a shame that injury has seemingly um, really struck him during his career because he he could have done a lot more than he has. Yeah, it's kind of been an underwhelming career. Uh, you'd have to say at the moment, hasn't it? Obviously, yeah. He- you know, um, as you say, injuries have, have struck him hard. Anyway, now then, the elephant in the room, we're going to get this, I'm sure, a lot. Ash Freezer says, Scoose and Chambers are two of the most overrated players to ever wear the shirt. What are you saying, Hutchie? I don't know if you can call them overrated because so many people pan them. Yeah. They split, they split opinion too much. Um, so I don't know. I don't know if they are overrated. I think they're opinion splitters rather than rather than being overrated, if if that makes sense. Because yeah. as many people see the negative side of them as do the positives. So I'm not sure they've got the uh, the overrated tag. Um, look, I, f- f- from my point of view, I think they've been really good servants to the club. They, they're, they're good football players who have, at, for, for large amounts of their time at the club, have been in bad teams. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not entirely convinced that's because of them. I think it's because of maybe what was around them. So I I personally don't think they're overrated. And I think the fact they're so heavily discussed, both positively and negatively, means they're probably rated just about right. Mm. Yeah. Um, Jason, Jason Milton, says, Hola, KOA, great show as always. He says, most underrated player, Clive Baker. Most overrated, James Norwood. Now, I can't really comment on Baker because he's before my time. But um, Norwood, what would you say Norwood-wise? Obviously signed to a great fanfare last summer. Did still lead lead the team in scoring. Uh, obviously had injury issues. I, I think probably it's, it's a bit too early maybe to say he's, he's overrated. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. On Clive Baker, Yeah, I, I think he might have been underrated because of, because of the way he looked. Right. Which... <laughs> um, he was. It was him and Craig Forrest were the two goalkeepers. Craig Forrest is this six foot five, quite suave, 
Canadian giant, whereas Clive Baker looks like a baker, <laughs> but was a really good goalkeeper. So yeah. I think he was underrated. James James Norwood, I would say James Norwood was potentially. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's too early to. I think it's too early to. Um, to describe him as being overrated, but I think you could probably fairly say that he was maybe overhyped. Yeah. Um, which I guess we probably played a part in, but us never. <laughs> but but you know, I I stick by James Norwood genuinely. I I I think he's gonna still come up come up big for Ipswich Town. I genuinely believe that mm. he was. We could talk. I could talk about James Norwood all day. He was he was signed. They pinpointed him incredibly early as a as a finisher, as a goal scorer, as a finishing piece. They had him in mind if Ipswich ended up in League One, which yeah. looked like that was the way it was going. And they had him in mind to play up top with three players behind him, just just as he'd played at Tranmere when he scored all of those goals in a system with Alan Judge behind him and then some some wingers um contributing. He's never really played in that in that system when it's worked. Um and I don't think that's his fault. Um he's he's been injured, um, which hasn't helped, but he's also could have scored an awful lot more goals than he did. The one on one chances that he missed early in the season, you look back at them now that there were so many of them. He could have done so much more. Um mm. but I still I still think he can he can come good. Um, and I, I wouldn't go as far as saying he's overrated at, at this point. I, I, what I would say is he's still got an awful lot to prove. Yeah. Ross Wishart um, says, having recently watched the highlights of the playoff final, I never appreciated the contribution of Richard Naylor until now, as we've already discussed. Um, FPL Tractor has given us a list for both. Underrated, he says, McGreal, Scowcroft, Scoose, Westlake, Garvin. Overrated, the second David Johnson. Luke Chambers, Pablo Canago. Any in there that pique your your interest? I'm not, I'm not having overrated Pablo Canago. You love Pablo, don't you? Uh, yeah, I do. I'm not. <laughs> I'm, I'm not. I'm not having that. He he was. Um, I absolutely loved watching him. Uh, a unique footballer in the yeah. way that he played back to goal. I've never regularly watched anybody better than him. Yeah. Um, no, I'm not. I'm not having that one at all. Overrated. Um, the underrated, I'd agree with all of those. Um, Interesting to see Scoose in there, isn't it, as well, given what we've just been talking yeah, about. Yeah. Um, Ian Westlake, he was a really good player. I was really surprised that his career kind of ended the way that it did and, and dropped away. Yeah. But um, as fit a player, as you will see, he could run all day, good on the ball, arrive late in the box, could score a handful of goals as well. Um who was the last player? Owen Garvin. Owen yeah. Garvin was under underrated by his managers rather mm. than rather than fans. Um, Stu did a really good interview um, with Owen. When, when would that have been? End of March? Back in the end of March, early April. It's just um, at the start of all this, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. which is a really good read with Owen. Um, but no, he was he was a really good player to watch, and really disappointing that he didn't go on to be the the player at Ipswich that we thought he was going to be. Here's a good shout from my friend Luke Penning, KOA Live attendee. Underrated, he says, DJ Campbell. Yeah, well, yeah, I think I, I think DJ deserves an awful lot of credit for the uh, 
the relegation. Well, I don't know if you can call it a relegation escape because mm. because they did it really quite comfortably in the end. But the turnaround in the early days of Mick McCarthy, um, DJ Campbell, um, DJ Campbell played a massive part in that, and yeah, he deserves deserves to be remembered in, incredibly fondly. But maybe. Maybe he wasn't here long enough to be remembered in that in that way, but the role that he played was was really important. Yeah, Matt Thomas, friend of the show, says this might not go down well, but even having seen his 16-year-old scoring debut, I never rated Jason Dazelle that highly. The stunt he went for so much to Spurs, decent, no better, and as for underrated, says Matt, I'll go current, and I think Miles Kenlock can do a League One job in a back four. I can't really talk about Jason Dazell, I'm afraid. Um, that, my, that's not the first time I've heard someone say that, though. Mm. Um, I don't know. Do do we talk about academy players, Ipswich boys, differently? Do they get remember? Do they get a, like a a little boost? Yeah, of course they do. One, yeah. one of our own and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, isn't it? no, yeah. there's nothing. There's nothing wrong with that. I I, yeah. I I saw the only time I saw Jason Dazell play when he came back to Ipswich, I think he was on a month-to-month or a week-to-week contract in maybe 97 or 98. Yeah. He came back, um, clearly wasn't the player that he was in the late 80s, early 90s. But, yeah, I can't I can't really say on that one. Um, Miles Kenlock. Miles, Miles Kenlock. I've got him on, on my underrated list under a little section of the current squad. Yeah. And I would say, yeah, he probably is. I think he can do a job, but he he just never seems to have got the proper run of of games that that he needs. He he's not young anymore. I think he's maybe twenty three, mm. but he's never had a proper r- real run. We really thought that was going to be it for him this year. Um, they gave him a long contract last summer. He started the season at left back. He didn't do an awful lot wrong. He played there for. I think the first seven games, unbeaten through all of them, but then was a victim of system tinkering, given that Luke Luke Garbert came back from an injury and weren't playing without and out wingers anymore. So in goes Luke Garbert at the left wing back, kind of left back position, and Miles just never got never got the shirt back. He's got a lot to work on. He can be beaten sort of in one on one situations relatively comfortably at times and, and needs to work on that a bit. But I would agree that certainly uh, I do think they'll bring in somebody at left back this summer, but I wouldn't, if if the opening day of next season, whenever that is, includes Miles Kenlock starting at left back, that wouldn't, that wouldn't concern me too much. Ross Halls wouldn't be happy, of course. Um, Graham Downey, he says, most overrated, Judge Norris, I assume he means David Norris and not Will, uh, and Sedgley, and most underrated, Clapham, uh, David Wright and Tommy Miller. Can we go back to those? Who's overrated? Overrated, Judge, Norris and Sedgley. We're talking David Norris there. I assume it's not Will, Will Norris, is it? No, I wouldn't have thought so. Um, David Norris. Oh, I like David Norris. Um, mm. You know, I think he came with a burden of a heavy price tag. But 
No, I think he, I think he lived up to it to switch over the years. I think he was a, he was a good player. Um, yeah, not sure, but who are the other two? My memories, I've just completely lost them. What am I other? <laughs> you got a little drink on the go, my friend. Um, so Too overrated, much water. overrated judge and Sedgley as well. Like, yeah, Alan, Alan Judge will be the first to tell you that he hasn't lived up to the billing. Um, yeah, and what he's capable of doing. Um, so we know that. Um, Steve Sedgley, I don't ever recall him being excessively highly rated, but I always thought he was decent. Um, yeah. Kind of my earlier earlier years of watching football um, when he played. But my big memories of Steve Sedgley of him consi- of him consistently hitting a post at the uh, the North Stand end, a post that over time was becoming a real problem for Ipswich that in big games, big chances just hit this post and, <laughs> and was just, just that was what you'd come away from games thinking, Oh, it's happened again. I think, I think he hit the post in the playoffs against Sheffield United in 97 with a free kick, which would have, I can't remember what stage of the game it was at, but it was that post again. And that, that, mm. that will always be my Steve Sedgley memory. How about Tommy Miller as underrated? That's not a bad shout, is it, from Graham? I certainly never underrated him. I thought he was brilliant. Mm. Um, and Ipswich have never had a score, goal-scoring midfielder like him since. I think mm. I thought he was one of my one of my favourite players to watch at Ipswich. I'm lucky enough to have got to know Tommy in the years after he played at Ipswich quite well. Um, mm. and he's a good guy as well. But put a player like Tommy Miller in the, Ipswich, the current Ipswich side and they'd be flying. Nigel G, friend of the show, he says, and it's another another vote here in the underrated category for Jamie Clapham, Mickey Stockwell, Aaron Drynan, correct, Nigel, um, and then overrated, he says, way too many to choose from, but he suggests Chambers again, Judge, Fanini, and Jet. So any any of those stand out? Jamie Clapham is is consistently coming up in the underrated yeah. nominations. It's a bass. Um, yeah. <laughs> Jamie Clapham, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we talked about him, haven't we? Um, yeah. We've talked about most of the overrateds he's put in there as well, haven't we? We've we've talked about Chambers, Alan Judge. Fanini um, George. Fanini George. Um, he flattered to deceive, didn't he? he? Yeah. I don't think he was overrated while he was at Ipswich, but I think that, again, he didn't deliver on, on the hype. Yeah. Um, so yeah, in that sense, yeah, overrated. What other underrateds were there in there? Underrated, he says. Uh, Clapham, Mickey Stockwell. Mickey Stockwell. He, if you want a kitchen fitter, <laughs> um, no, Mickey, Mickey Stock, Mickey Stockwell is everything that an underrated player should be. Um, a scurrier, a hustler. He was everything that was great about football in the nineties. I used to love watching Mickey Stockwell because you knew what you would get from him. Yeah. Um, in every game, he played pretty much every position on the pitch for Ipswich. Um, yeah, he, underappreciated, I would say. And with Drynan, he's just he's just pandering to you there. I know. Uh, I like it though. You I... you have overrated Aaron Drynan, Mark. No, Keith. no, no, no. Look at look at what he did at air, my friend. Uh, he was red hot at air. Um, Sindre Lyson, our, our Norwegian friend. Any foreign player when they sign is overrated. Town, fan, town <laughs> fans generally think any Spanish, French, or Macedonian player linked. 
is something <laughs> special. There's definitely something about that, isn't there? In general, in football, if Town were to sign a midfielder called John Smith, fans would be like, eh. but if that, that midfielder yeah. was called Juan Smith Maciedo, <laughs> immediately people would be going, oh, he sounds decent. Um, and then Sindre goes on to say, underrated Luke Chambers, much better on the ball than people give him credit for. You'll be in trouble with Kenlock, Enciala and Genoa at the back, even with Van Dyke in amongst them. So Chambers, as you say, is getting both exactly. over and underrated um, yep, from, exactly. from our listeners. Uh, where are we? Keenor Sorensen, our Danish friend. My friend Jonas is always underrated. He had big shoes to fill when Mings and Cresswell left. And it was uh, sad to see him compared to them. He did. He does good when he plays for the national team. He was a star player against Chile and made Alexis look a very bad player. He's a friendly person as well. Stay well. Jonas Knudsen. Mm. Yeah, I, I think... I think he's the rare occasion where a foreign signing yeah. did, didn't get people that excited because, because it was Cresswell, then it was me. Then it was Mings. Yeah. Then it was Jonas Knudsen. But just just on the foreign signing thing, I think I think that is true. I, I think any kind of foreign name that gets linked does get people excited because of the pure unknown yeah, exactly. side of it. Because say say you signed a midfielder from or let's talk strikers. Mm. You say you signed a striker from um, Morecambe. Yeah, you you know you can't you kind of know what that guy's about. You can see his goal record in English football. You know, mm. you know how the leagues relate to each other. You know the standards. You know where he might have come through the academy at Burnley and dropped down and come back. And you know what that might mean. You've seen that arc before. But if you go out and sign Ballant Biner, <laughs> who, who's been trotting around in Dortmund's second team, yeah, from Hungary, you look at that and you think that this guy, he's clearly got something about him. He was at Dortmund. Yeah, or, or or you think that some scout has kind of come up with, they've spotted the next Ronaldo playing in the Hungarian second division. Yeah, and and the opportunities are endless until you see them play, but it's not quite the same with with bringing in Crawley's uh, Crawley's left winger, is it? Yeah, as a fan, you naturally assign kind of wonderfully creative and. Um, flair attributes, don't you, to European players whenever you whenever you have them linked to your team. I think that's just a natural thing. Um, Chris Bennett says, underrated Grant Ledbitter, overrated Jonathan Parr. Any thoughts on that, Hutchie? I like Jonathan. I like Johnny Parr. I thought, I, I'm surprised he's in the overrated section. Mm. I'd have thought he might, he, if we had anybody submitted for this, he might have been under. I know Stu would put him in his underrated if he was if he was with us. Which he might be one day. Who knows? Who knows? Um, who knows? Um, but uh, but yeah, he. Uh, I quite like Johnny Parr. I think I I I think he could have done more for Ipswich, and they were maybe a little bit a little bit kind to allow him to move on for for. for I think they let him go for free, didn't they? When he yeah. did when he did eventually leave, I think that was maybe a little generous from Ipswich. Alistair Rattray says, I'd say Naylor is overrated historically. Agreeing with you, actually, here, because most fans will remember that game referring to the playoff final, but that was by far his best game. His scoring record was all against the league's poorest sides. And he says, as for Scowcroft, he was player of the year, so that makes him popular enough. Um, Joe Fares, La Decima, friend of the show, (laughs) 
Uh, I think people forget how good David Johnson was as he didn't score in the playoffs or Premier League and fell into Stuart's shadow before leaving. I think that's a good point there from Joe. Yeah, de- definitely, definitely. I would I would agree with that completely because Stuart was the icing on the cake. Yeah. The, the thing that got Ipswich as serial promotion contenders was da- the goals of David Johnson in the mm. years prior. Um, he was a, a difference maker when he was signed from Bury. Um, he, he was actually the leading scorer that season, wasn't he? Um, absolutely. Yeah, by, yeah. by some distance. Like Stuart, before the playoffs, Stuart, Marcus Stewart had been on a 10 or 11 game goal drought. Yeah. He, he started, Marcus started with a bang in goals in his first two games and then went a long time, months without scoring a goal, but came up massive in the, the, fir- the, the first leg of those playoffs mm. um, at Bolton and scored in the final and obviously then went on to be fantastic in the Premier League. And it was sad that, that, that David left without scoring a goal for it for it switch in the premier league but no absolutely i th- i would put him in the in the underrated column 100% excellent uh the pin the pin old friend the pin what yes where's he been hiding exactly but give him his give him his due hutchie come on the pin the pin friend of the show the mysterious pin great to hear from you old friend the pin i hope you're still sharp um Jermaine Wright, without him, no promotion, he says underrated. Did a sterling man-marking job on Kieran Dyer to seal a move from Crew. But then number two, Richard Naylor. At 19, he was asked to lead the line with an equally young Scoey. Later became a centre-half and wore his heart on his sleeve. And he adds, as you'd expect from the pin, hashtag turmoil next season. Hmm. So Jermaine Wright, Richard Naylor again, coming up in the underrated. And finally, on this topic... Matt Phillips says, I remember Alan Armstrong was a fairly underwhelming signing at the time, but that header against Inter is one of the great ITFC moments. So yeah. nice. we've, come, we've come to the end there of our, our listener input. I want to try and have a poll on both. So I want you to come up with some names for said poll. Um, can we come up with four names for each? I'm tempted to say we should put Chambers and Skews in both. Yeah, but yeah, that's like half of the why don't we put them as a as a duo in both? Okay, good idea. So they can have one. They can have one slot for the pair of them in both. Mm. Oh, just we actually just had literally. I've just refreshed this. Ed Ed Barker, old friend from the Pig Association, says the most <laughs> underrated the most underrated player we've had is Gurain and Dor. He says brilliant at disrupt, disrupting midfield. Never went to ground for tackles. Look at the Edwards goal for Derby to see what I mean. Um, there you go, Grain and Door. <laughs> Did you like the intro on, on Ed? Yeah, our old uh, friend from the Pig Association. <laughs> yeah. It's fact. It's fact. Um, so, Hutchie, we're having Chambers and Scoose in both as a duo. Give me, give me some other names then for, for a poll. Uh, underrated. I think you need to represent, I think the overwhelming there was the class of 2000. So, who should we pick from that? Scowcroft? Yeah. Um, there was a lot. There was a lot of love for Jamie Clapham as well. Yeah, should we go for that as well then? Well, so we got Chambers and Scoose, Clapham. Uh, who else? I'm just scrolling through the thread here. Check we don't miss anybody. We're not putting Aaron Drynan in there. No, I know. David it's Johnson. Not. I don't think that that many people would have underrated. David no. I think he would I think he would come out of that that topic unscathed. Um 
Oh. Who else? Can we put Can we put Ian Westlake in there? Yeah, Westlake. You can do whatever you want, my friend. You you are the the pole master, as it were. And Jermaine Wright, I think Jermaine Wright has kind of come through in a lot of these as well. Yeah. Jermaine so what's that? Chambers Jam- and Skews, Scowcroft, Jermaine Wright. Yeah, Westlake. Ian, Ian Westlake. Are we putting Clapham in there or not? I think there was more Jermaine Wright interest than Clapham, wasn't there? Oh, let's, let's take Westlake out and put Clapham in. Yeah, let's okay. do that. Because it, it, it does seem like a lot of the underrated shouts were coming from the... Uh, that era. We're coming from that era. And I think that's right. That's that's exactly how I felt it as well. Overrated then. So we have Chambers and Scoose in again. Who else are you going to throw in there as overrated? Overrated. We've got Chambers and Scoose. There was a few. Um, we had a few nods for. Was one David Norris? One was David Norris, yeah. Um, just scrolling back here now. The overrated was kind of a, a mixed. Uh, yeah, Judge, a... Judge comes up a couple of times, but I think yeah. you know, he's not really been here that long. Um, yeah, I think it's too early, too early to to put people like that in there. Yeah, I uh, want I, I want to put Pablo Cunhago in this just to see that he ends up with zero percent of the vote. Well, shall we do that? Just because yeah. I think. I, so, because I'd be flabbergasted if people voted for that. I'm, I'm furious. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not really. Should we put Should we put Connor Wickham in there? Yeah, why not? Yeah, why not? That was an interesting. So, that, what would that be? Kit. That would be Cunyago Wickham, Chambers and Scoose. So we need one. Scoose. We need one more name. Um, Geo. Should we put Geo in? Or. Or my controversial John Walters shout. Oh, yes. So we do Walters. Yeah. Because he was here for longer. Yeah. Um, okay, so I'll put this poll out at some point. Um, obviously, two polls. You can vote. We can hopefully come up with the most over and underrated player in town history. So underrated, we've got Chambers and Scoose, Jamie Clapham, James Scowcroft, and Jermaine Wright. And then overrated, Chambers and Scoose again, Canago, Connor Wickham, and John Walters. Interesting, interesting, Hutchie. Let's see how that vote goes. Hopefully, what we'll end up with is Chambers and Scoose winning both, just to prove your point. Okay. Um, now then, we have still got to mop up some mailbag questions, so let's do them quickly, shall we? Can you you intro mailbag, Hutchie? Um, I'll just pop to the park. <laughs> I'll open the window. See if this breaks the law. Actually, no, I yeah. won't. My, my neighbours are in next door's garden. That'd be so weird. <laughs> they must think I'm so odd because I've just been sat in this desk, which which essentially overlooks their garden. Yeah. Um, they've spent a lot of time in their garden over the last three months, particularly the three lads who live next door, um, one of which is currently appears to be asleep on a sun lounger. He's going to get nice. burnt. He's going to get burnt if he's not careful. But yeah, I've spent far too much time. They've just seen me sat at this window. Um, St- staring at them. Yeah, with a microphone in front of me. Very, <laughs> very, very strange. Um, I digress. Mailbag, mailbag. It's time for Mark and Andy to dip into the mailbag. Doot, doot. 
I'd like to take this opportunity to thank those that have um, offered their continued support for my singing of the mailbag tune. It's given me the lift that I needed. Please carry we, on. We even had a five-star review. Um, more of those, please, uh, recently, which was credited you as, I think they called you the war, the warbler, which was nice. Good. Um, Nigel G, friend of the show, gets his second bite of the cherry. It's a havoc. Because he's asked a good question. In the world of journalism, you often see typos, sometimes changing the context of the sentence or article. What is the most embarrassing accidental typo you've made that's been published or got close to getting published? And he says, by the way, it's definitely a carp and not a haddock. And it's, a ha- it's a haddock. Confusingly, then use it, puts the shark emoji on the end. Um, it's a shark. It's a shark, yeah. Um, so, yeah... Peek behind the scenes time, Hutchie. I'm going to go. On, I'm going to go on a bit of a, a bit of an old school kind of look back here. When I started in journalism, 20, 20 plus years ago, man and boy, I've been a journalist. Hardest game in the world. Um, used to have these things called subs. Um, I don't know if they were still around when you started, but the way you, the way things would work is as a as a young journalist, I would write my copy, I'd file it. It would go on for the news editor or the sports editor if it was sport, to read and also make changes, anything like that. And generally any changes would be discussed with you and, and agreed. You would have nothing to do with writing the headline. Um, that was a subs job. And then after I went home, they had this team of night subs who would come in, um, who would again read your copy, put it on a page, put the headline on, change things. They might often call you, which is particularly unpleasant if it was a Friday night and you had a few ales um, and they wanted to, to have a very intense questioning session about one of your stories. Um, and then it would appear in the paper the next day. Obviously, online was not something that was really considered back then. Now, there is no backstop. There are no subs anymore. That's a that's a completely gone profession. So we are everything now. We write everything, generally speaking. Um, it may not even get read before it goes online or even in print. You, you, um, write first time was a big drive in journalism not too long ago. So... Just purely because of that, things do slip through the net now, Hutchie. So yeah. is there anything that, that you can think of that was something you've had printed that was embarrassing? Or um, <coughs> In my Swindon days, we had a um, – we had a – I can't think of anything particularly bad that I've done. I, or, but I'm not immune from little silly typos, absolutely yeah. not, plenty of those. But in terms of um, big howlers – the classic in sports journalism is switching an I in for an O in the word shot. Yes, I do that yeah, a lot. That happens just naturally. But the the ones that I can, the biggest howler that I can remember, what being part of a team that did was, it wasn't it wasn't me, and I'm not just park parking the buck. But if you passing the buck, but if you remove the O from um, Swindon Town's ground, do you know what Swindon Town's ground is called? Not off my head. The county ground. <laughs> yes. So if you remove the O, you're in trouble. You and, are. Uh, and uh, that, yeah. That, Did that, that happen? In a subheadline. So not not in like <laughs> fifth, not in fifty point bold. Oh, amazing! But in um, in small. And I'll, t- I'll tell you one th- one other thing that did happen. My old boss, um, old sports editor. Yeah. We ended up having to sign up to uh a register because it was our job to lay out the pages ourselves completely yeah. from scratch in though when i was there yeah so we had to sign a register to say that we'd put the barcode on 
because he regularly just forgot to put it on, which meant thousands and thousands of copies of the newspaper were sent out to shops and couldn't be sold. Useless. Wow. And then I think what happened is they decided to move the barcode from the back of the paper to the front. (laughs) Ridiculous. The best, I think I've never had, I mean, like you, I frequently um, substitute the, uh, when when I'm writing shot or shut, I frequently substitute either of those letters for for an I um, because they're they're next to each other on the pad. I've never actually put it in print as yet. Um, The thing, probably I I think back to uh, a time when I was I was subbing a, a column about uh, fans at Portman Road, and in the headline I wrote Portman Road. At least I thought I did. It wasn't until I got the paper the next day that I realised it would actually it actually written Potman Road. There was <laughs> there was no R in it, um, so I was bracing myself for a slew of complaints from from readers, and rightly so. And I didn't get one single complaint, which is slightly worrying. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, that's not good. Yeah, no one no one noticed that I'd I'd completely misspelt the name of town's ground in 58 point anyway um harvey davis just about friend of the show. hanging on With by his silly little breakfast wrap hanging on by his fingernails he says not sure if this has been mentioned before but could town actually take advantage of the financial situation at the moment there's a few good players i've seen who haven't extended their contracts due to the financial implications of covid is it a good time to sign free agents? What do you reckon, Hutchie? It could be, um, but it and it. But if they do, that will very much be down to Marcus Evans um, being the man to do that. If that makes sense, that will be because Marcus has has seen it as an opportunity. I, I do agree with you there. That yeah, um, it could be. It could well be. Um, because there are some good players that are out of contract. I think he's probably out of Ipswich's reach, but just an example of that is that the Blackpool top scorer, Armand yeah. Nan- Nandwile, yeah. has left Blackpool um, and is a free agent. Um, I would be surprised if he didn't end up in the championship, but that being said, he's a, he's a free agent maybe uh, and maybe is out there to, to go yeah. and get. But... Um, yeah, if they're able to, it will be because Marcus Evans has actively decided to do that rather than it being part of their budget. I've seen um, him linked actually on a few fan sites, uh, so who knows? We'll see. Um, Martin Code wants to know what are the main accomplishments of Leo Neal since he took up his position at Town. Leo Neal is someone who's getting a bit of stick. I mean, I know everyone is getting a bit of stick, but Leo Neal is coming up time and time again in our in our mailbag. Actually, Leo Neal, you and Stu. Both are fans of his as, as a person. Um, yep. How would you how would you describe how would you apply to Martin? What was the question? What are his big accomplishments? What are what his, his main accomplishments since he took up his position? I I wouldn't say that that Lee's job is to necessarily have big big accomplishments. Mm. He works with the he works with the owner. He works with the manager, and any accomplishments that really come from that are going to be accredited to them. If I'm honest, Lee's a great guy. He works incredibly hard and has an incredibly broad job at the football club, which you've got to remember as well. He's still, still effectively head of the academy. So, and he's not been in the job in in what is effectively a new job. He hasn't been in it very long. Um, So, 
in terms of big, I can't, I can't sit here and tell you there are some massive accomplishments that he's achieved, but I think the criticism that he gets is mm. is, is undeserved. He'd have been uh, involved, I'd have thought, in the ticket thing, wouldn't he? You know, the the seat geek thing, which is quite a big deal, isn't it? The for next season, um, possibly, um, possibly. I, I don't know exactly, but he. Not in, term, in, in terms of the actual deal with SeatGeek, maybe not, but he is involved in literally everything in terms of signing players, working with Paul Lambert on that stuff, all the way up to the, the ticket refund mm. stuff. So he he has such a broad job. He really does. Um, yeah. I think people maybe look at him and expect him to be doing the work of a... A director of football, yeah. Um, which he, there are elements of that, but it's only an element of his job. Um, mm. No, I, I think I personally think the, the 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 criticism that he seems to get, and I don't think uh, it's not from many people. I wouldn't say, but from some, is a bit harsh because because of what his job actually is. Yeah, I think I mean, understandably as well, a time when Towner at the lowest lowest point for fifty plus years. People are looking for, for people to criticise, um, which is understandable. Thank you, Martin, for your question. Um, James Johnson, double J, J Money, J Squared. Um, once he says, hope you enjoyed your birthday weekend, Mark. I did, my friend. Thank you very much. I want to know where your ultimate three-course meal would be, starting with your choice of drink, followed by starter, main, then dessert. Can be food from any place in the world, but with a couple of rules. It's got to be something you've eaten before. Can range from a home-cooked meal to a takeaway. Expensive night out, posh restaurant, etc. Even your nan's Sunday dinner. But I want to know what your ultimate three course and beverage would be. Hachi, you're, if you were constructing a three course meal for for the gods, for yourself, um, what would you go with? Just loads of bread, probably. <laughs> no, no. If it would be pretty boring, it would be a, a pretty large, pretty large Indian banquet. So of that, all, all that, sorts going on. That covers the starter and the main. Um, what are you drinking and what's your dessert? Well, my dessert would quite obviously be a bit of ice cream out of a plastic penguin or whatever. <laughs> that, that's or, the idea. Or whatever they decide, whatever plastic children's toy they decide to put the ice cream in. Yeah, you're right. Um, my dessert would probably have to come from elsewhere. Um, I kind of like a syrup or maybe a syrup or a treacle sponge. Doesn't nice. fit. Doesn't fit with the rest of the meal. That goes with custard. Yeah, um, doesn't fit with the rest of the meal, but that's not really the point of this exercise, is it? What would be uh, your drink then? Because obviously, famously, you're uh, you're, you're teetotal these days. What would you pick? Um, what would I pick? Maybe a ginger beer. Oh, nice. A non-alcoholic ginger beer. That's that's an underrated drink. We talk about underrated things. Mm-hmm. We've um, had a lot of that during during the coronavirus period. Do you go for the really like fiery Jamaican ginger beer? Yeah, there's a brand brand called Old Jamaica. Yes, the, the sugar free version of that. Yeah, which the sugar free version is just as nice as the sugared one, but has less sugar in it. It's also nice to use uh, if you have a, a cheap whiskey, a blended whiskey, to make a little whiskey cocktail. Bang some of that. Yeah, lovely. Is that um, an, is that an old fashioned? Uh, is that got whiskey? Guess... Is that got ginger beer in? What's that, sorry? Has that got ginger beer in, an old-fashioned? 
there's a cup. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you can have all sorts of whiskey cocktails, whiskey highballs. Um, but yeah, little, it's either ginger beer or ginger ale generally. Um, mix mix that in with three parts of that, one part whiskey, bit of ice. You're laughing. I tell um, you what, actually, I had one of those uh, in Tokyo. Yeah. Four years ago. Very very strong. Yeah. Um, yeah, I had to eat a lot of a lot of sushi. <laughs> just to soak that up that was in a that was in a um in a bar that was underneath a massive statue of godzilla that's on one of the buildings awesome that was quite good the japanese of course love their whiskey they were the, the second biggest manufacturer of whiskey on earth behind mm. uh, behind the scottish highlands which is where i should have been anyway i won't i won't harp on about that um for me james uh three course meal i would go asparagus starter i love asparagus of some kind probably with a little bit of feta cheese or maybe a bit of um parma ham or prosciutto wrapped around it main if i'm really feeling big pimping i'd probably go lobster with garlic butter a bit of samphire done properly delicious and then dessert um maybe something a profiterole the tiramisu something oh, yeah, like- yeah yeah tiramisu that can come in that can get involved as well yeah, a proper a proper good Italian tiramisu. You can't really whack a bit of that. And then drinks wise, I'm afraid I'm going to go a bit poncy, and so I'd have a flight of wine. <laughs> I love what is, I, what is a flight of wine? Come so when on. you go when you go out for a posh meal, Hutchie, as, as I am want to do, and I, I very much enjoy, and you have generally speaking, you have a tasting menu where you have multiple courses. A flight of wine is where you get a, a glass of wine with each course, which is paired for the, the tastes in each individual course. So, you know, you'd have six, seven, eight glasses of wine with a meal and you generally you get the sommelier come over and explain why they've chosen the wine, where it's from, all that sort of stuff. And I love all that. I can totally understand people thinking it's a bit poncy, but it, for me, it's part of the theatre and some of the wines they pair are unbelievable in terms of the matching of flavours. So I'd go with that if that's an option in my three-course okay. meal. Um, so there you go. I didn't ask you, actually, of course, in your Indian banquet, what would be your main, your go-to Indian meal or you know style Uh, i don't really have one i like just uh quite like a ceylon it's quite nice um yeah are you you going chicken beef lamb what are you doing oh yeah yeah i'd be chicken i'd go chicken i think chicken every time actually you know what i really like is a fish curry Oh. You, don't, you don't get them that often. Like, a, not. I don't mean prawn. I mean like a nice, and I don't mean salmon either. I mean a nice white Indian fish. That, that's nice, mate. Fish curry is, is definitely um, something I enjoy. Final question for Mailbag is from Matt Lee, who I believe is the same Matt Lee who interviewed our very own Dr. Watson on his podcast, uh, which is a good listen, actually. Uh, Go back and listen to that, Matt. I can't remember the name of the podcast. Apologies, but if you post it on here, I'll retweet it um, so people can listen to it. Because uh, yeah, it was good. It was interesting. No, no mention of of Oz from Stewie. Very much talking about himself on that, Andy. Um, really? Yeah, I didn't, very, very I didn't listen to it. Kind of just said that he he does everything, and and the rest of us kind of just hang on his coattails. Essentially, was, was his message oh, there. Okay. Um, anyway, Matt Lee wants to know a simple question. He says, "Goal music, yay or nay." Um, yeah, but don't, don't play it too loud and don't change it too regularly, which Ipswich have been guilty of both of those. Yeah. It's going to be interesting again, if there are fans in the ground next season and they do play goal music, 
you won't be able to cheer along to it or sing. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what happens with that. Uh, I think I'm I'm definitely for gold music or anything that adds to the atmosphere at a game. I'm all for. Um, hopefully that brings us to the end of mailbag and thus the end of the pod. Is there anything that you want to talk about we've not mentioned thus far? How are you getting on? How's things? Uh, how is things? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm all right. Just uh, getting a bit bored of sitting in my spare room for work, if I'm honest. Uh, I've reached the end of that being novel and interesting. But other than that, I'm all right. Move to your lounge, mate. No, I can't work in there. There's too, uh, too many two-year-olds. Oh. One of them. Do you know where I am currently? It's obviously it's really hot this week, so I'm in the TV room. Um, but I can't sit in the TV room. We've got a little table in here for drinks, but it's too low to have the computer on. So I've got a chair from one of my other rooms, and I'm currently using that as a table to do this podcast. It's it's uh, needs must very much at the moment. Um, I think if we if we're going to be moving towards a a working from home being the norm, I'm going to have to invest in another office. At the moment, we've got an office anyway, but I'm going to need my own office. Um, okay so i think i think one of the other bedrooms may have to go so really? you know, well we're certainly not getting rid of the tv room that's not going anywhere my friend um so i'll need i'll need a desk in one of the other bedrooms um I reckon. interesting yeah more on that to come look forward to that my friends um Hachi, any other business then before we take our leave uh no other business no other business excellent that's my cue to say if you've enjoyed what we've put together today please do hit subscribe on your various podcast providers. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes because we love them. That helps us with the visibility in the chart and follow us on all the social media, on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook because that's brilliant. We like interacting with you. I'll put those polls out as discussed later on for you to vote in. We'll see what happens with those. And join us again next week. Have an excellent week, but join us again next week. Make sure you're with us because who knows, we may even have an old friend stopping by. I'll leave that with you. Have a great one and we'll speak to you again next time. From true crime to football, Brexit to Pokeville. For more great podcasts from Archon, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archon. Archon, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archon.